Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. You are listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction blog talk radio show, founded to increase the national awareness of black women in the construction industry. NABWIC is the charge and takes the charge for black women to advocate for further opportunities to its members. Our mission as a core foundation is to strengthen the building blocks of new educational, entrepreneurial, professional, and social network connections. The vision of NABWIC is to build long-lasting strategic partnerships with first-rate organizations and individuals that will provide groundbreaking and innovative solutions for black women in construction and their respective communities. We invite you to call or text or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Good morning. This is Ursula Odom, and I'm your host for NABWIC Talks. And today we have entrepreneur Deidre Simpson, who is the CEO of NDS Fixit LLC. And we're going to hear from her today and what a show it's going to be. She is a forward-thinking designer, Spring Garden College of Philadelphia, University of um, Maryland. And she is an Army veteran and woman of the people, Deidre Simpson Desire has always been to see we the people do better. She is an Army veteran, as I mentioned, and she's worked in military intelligence and communications, studying languages and people. She traveled and lived in Germany, traveled throughout Europe, Korea, and worked in the Pentagon as an information career, weird top secret stuff, After the military, she went back to her first love, designing and redefining spaces. NDS Fixit was born in 2004, and today she is the sole owner of a design build firm located in the nation's capital. NDS Fixit LLC is a certified business enterprise in Washington, D.C., and they are registered, licensed, insured, and experienced as general contractors who specialize in environmental hazard mediation, lead, mold, and asbestos, renovations, and repairs. And, you know, there's a lot more, but I'm going to let you hear that from her herself. So without further ado, I'd like to say good morning, Ms. Simpson, and would you please introduce yourself in, in your words to our audience. Good morning. Good morning, Nadwick. And first, I'd like to really thank Nadwick for inviting me to uh, share my experiences and uh, be a part of their uh, uh, organization. It's it's really been a pleasure. It's been really interesting meeting so many women in construction. And frankly, I didn't know. You know, I kind of find myself at the table often alone as a woman in construction. Uh, so it's been great. So um, uh, thank you, audience, for tuning in. Um, so NDS Fix and Deatrice Simpson kind of are the same. Uh, we started back in about 2004 in partnership, and two years ago um, 
I acquired the company as a sole proprietor. So uh, upon doing that, you know, we our background was property management. It was construction. It was uh, design. You know, I'd gone to school for architecture, spent many years in the military. And the military has a way of kind of, mm, if you're creative particularly, has a way of kind of saying no to that. There's even a, a proverb, it's a Japanese proverb that the military kind of has, and it says um, that if, you, if your head stands up, we will kind of pound it down so that it all equals, it's all on equal level. So the idea would be that creative people maybe don't do as well in the military as others. Um, so it was a little bit of a struggle for me, but it certainly gave me a, a baseline for some disciplines and some ways of uh, looking at myself as someone who could get it done, who could absolutely get it done. So when I exited the military, I was kind of looking for work and how do I transfer or translate military intelligence, which is very specific, a little broad, but even specific, how you transfer that into a civilian world. What the easiest thing to do, particularly given that I want it out. I'm a creative person, kind of an artist in my background. And so um, how do I use the skill set and yet create something that I could build a lifestyle on? Um, happened upon something called property management, which wasn't too bad because in that property management arena, the owners wanted people to uh, focus on how to keep clients in their properties. And so... So that sounded like to me, how do we keep residents committed to the property for more than a year, more like five and ten years, because then that would actually turn into real income for the owners. Um, and that looked like to me resident services. That looked like revamping and renovating properties, um, bringing them up to standards, um, also helping people think more broadly and revamping the way they think about the properties that they rent and look at it more like home. So it was interesting how that military intelligence piece kind of kicked in and allowed me to kind of see this property management piece a little bigger. Uh, bringing the creative side to the table just kind of, it immediately impressed the owners. So I started moving around in lots of other properties that they owned and helping them renovate and redesign, build computer centers, um, uh, bring the resident to the table as an owner, so to speak making them more invested and divest more in, in the properties. As a result, numbers changed, and um, I started to look at this a little, a, a little, a, a little more big. Um, I started to find that there were issues in property management. Property managers do not um, generally understand building systems. I did. I understood it, and so I was able to play a role with those property managers uh, with the tradespeople that came in and out in terms of dollars and cents that they would spend, in terms of the work that was done, and keeping them on board, keeping them on board in terms of uh, maintenance and uh, uh, preparatory kind of plans for property managers. I started to make dollars on the side doing that. I started to look at it a little bigger. How does one, you know, turn this into a business perhaps? And that's what it became a handyman service, and then there became a home improvement contractor's license. Well, in the meantime, I did some running for political office and I started, you know, to look at things even bigger. I uh, found myself um, looking at uh, the economy and how it was tripling over itself in 2010. And um, 
uh, trying to figure out how to survive that. And so one of the ways to do that was to look at general contracting, to look at licensing in a bigger way. So we went toward general contracting, we went toward licensing and certifications, and we bought every certification on board that we could imagine, and that looked like uh, the certification for the district, which would be CBE, and then there was a certification for uh, the government, uh, the federal government, which looked like DBE, and then there was a local LDB. These went on and on and on and on. I, of course, took full advantage of the woman's uh, certification and the veteran's certification and uh, found ourselves in schools in the District of Columbia doing work. Um, so that was great. It saved us at that time. Um, the world really went topsy-turvy, but we were able to become believe it or not, handymen in a general contracting and a government environment. It's very strange, very strange, but it actually happened as a result of those certifications. Um, as we move well, actually, and if, if mm -hmm. you could stop one second, because you just said something that brought back something you said earlier, and I want to capture those pieces. Now, put a bookmark in it, because I want you to continue. But when you were talking mm -hmm. about um, creative versus what we found, what you found in the military, what I was thinking about is the fact that one of the things I see happening now is this kind of machine being put into action, where I was totally impressed with the person talking about building building hospitals and going into hotels and, or um, motels or schools or convention center and turning them into almost pop-up hospitals. And it takes a mm -hmm. machine to do that. So at, I'm a creative person, so under normal circumstances I would have been, yeah, 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 you're right. But then when I heard him talking about that, I understood the, the value mm -hmm. of having somebody just say, do this, and, and have them be systematic. And then you just said something at the, mm -hmm. at the end of your um, statement that kind of confirms that with what you're doing now, too, is that even though you're the creative person or you have those creative skills, being able to, to um, tap into that production machine mentality has to be a dynamic combination of, of, of a skill. So I just wanted mm -hmm. to, to get your thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the military, it, it was my first professional job. And, it, you know, while, while as a creative person, it was a bit of a struggle for me because I was always thinking, why, why, why? And it's not exactly the question in the military service, not, at, least, at least not when you're just getting started. But, um, but what it did do, what I will never deny, is the discipline and the stability of, um, of the service member. Uh, the day that you walk in, you are becoming trained as a leader. And you do that training uh, for the whole time you're there, whether it's formal training or whether it's informal. You're constantly learning how to be responsible, responsive, and, and to be a leader. And to think how to get it done. It's never uh, a good, it's never the excuse that we couldn't get it done. It's just that we figured out how to. And so I think you're right in that, you know, there is some creative, uh, there are creative juices happening, but they certainly are confined in the, in the military arena. So are I think you're absolutely first. right in that. Yeah. Say again? I'm sorry. I was just saying, are that creative process happened in advance um, in order for those systems to be put in place? And so mm -hmm. with, with that thought, 
my question to you now, though, is with all that's happening, and unfortunately I, I, I get a feeling that some people are going to lose their properties or businesses are going to shut down, and, and we don't want to talk about that, but opportunities do you see, or what do you see? I want to say opportunities. What challenges, what things are going to be um, presented where there is that creative necessity and that production machine on the end of when when the when the when the country opens back up, what what are we going to see in in this industry? Well, you know, I think I think there are quite a few things to see um, because you know here's what we should know is that in wartime or in the most difficult times in any country, well, in this country, which is a country of capitalism, um, uh, there's always opportunities at the worst of times. So in the wars, you know, you have the Halliburton's and the largest of companies who become even more large. Um, but smaller companies can also find arenas for advancement if, if you're looking. So, uh, you know, that pop-up concept, that pop-up idea, that's certainly a construction uh, arena. Um, but there are other things. I mean, you can you – know, one of the things that we did was we've been looking at how to broaden our scope – in the work that we do and how to even be. So, so there's such a thing in, in business as being specific and broadening at the same time. And so, um, so we're looking at uh, we, two years ago we began the process of um, uh, hazard containment. So um, contaminants such as uh, lead, mold, and asbestos, we became specialized in that arena. And now we're experts in that arena and we're in – uh, Maryland and uh, and Washington, lead, mold, and asbestos. Um, so while so while we're moving forward in this COVID kind of environment, uh, you could take the moment to stand back because we really all have to stand back and give some thought to what you do and how you could uh, grow your company when things slow down, when this moment slows down. So what we've done is we've become licensed in Maryland. We're looking at licensing in Virginia. We're looking at uh, licensing in Pennsylvania. Um, and we're looking at the school systems throughout because, you know, one of the worst things that is happening in the environmental world is that our children are living way too many hours um, in, in contaminants. So if we're looking at that, given the work that we do, then we could all be looking outside a slight bit to the right or a slight bit to the left, a bit of an angle outside of what you do every day and look for that additional arm. You know, it's funny you should say that because one of the things I say quite often now, um, I, I feel like if we're safe staying at home, then it's an opportunity to really reinvent or to catch up or to um, move ahead as far as looking at what you do. And I honestly think that those that survive, okay, I'm sounding a little bit more negative than I want right now. <laughs> the, uh, you know, when this is all over, then the people that have really looked at what they're doing and, and found ways to, to improve on the process because they now have time to do that, I think will really totally benefit. And from a personal point of view, what I mean by that is that um, I had a client that liked to work in close proximity, you know, side by side, looking at the same screen. Well, we got ready to do that uh, after this all started, and that person had been out of the country. And I said, I don't think I want to do that. 
So we found mm-hmm. a way to do that virtually, and it actually is a better process. He he can have his, um, I mean, I can cater to his idiosyncrasies, okay, and I can still be remote and be at home or be at the office and get things done without having, and, and, it's, and it's more efficient, quite frankly, um, even though I don't mm-hmm. like doing that at all. I mean, in terms of working that way, I like to just get it done. But in order to, to please him, I had to modify what I did for him. But in doing that, I found a way to just really move forward. And I think that regardless of the industry that you're in, um, mm-hmm. there's that opportunity. So where do you see changes being made for you? Well, again, you know, um, so so we're moving. So we've been talking and working to becoming paperless, to moving toward a more mobile environment as to how we work in construction uh, for the last couple of years. The last two years have been huge for me because it's been me on on my own, so to speak. Um, and so we've been bringing, talking to young professionals um, about uh, how we become more and more mobile, looking at cost and dollars as to what we'd have to to do to invest in being more mobile in the construction and the design arena. And, and, and many people, I mean, people get stuck. People are used to doing it a certain way. But for the young, um, you know, the 30, 35-year-olds who I want to work with quite a bit um, in terms of being new clients as well as being in my business, um, they work differently. They work differently. And I like it. So I think that mm-hmm. at this time, when we've got everyone on laptops and we're cluing in and zooming in and working and doing what we have to do to uh, move forward in, in this moment, um, I think we'll continue to do that. I mean, it's, it's right down the alley for me. I really, you know, I never want, well, I don't think I want to, as much as I work in storefronts and help people redesign and refix their spaces, I don't think I want that for the future of my company. And it's interesting because in the world of construction, well, what's more natural than a brick and mortar? But I want to look at it from a more mobile, um, a more uh, uh, IT kind of a uh, perspective and how we move forward the product service um, without necessarily a brick and mortar. You know, so so this, so this moment, it's not as difficult as it is this moment, and truly it's difficult for all of us. Um, but it does give us a chance to relook at our businesses and kind of refocus, refix, and rethink about how we work. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were talking about brick and mortar, I, I I see the shifting of, you know, I I I can envision what you're talking about, but I also think that there will be a need for the brick and mortar, but in a different form, because a lot of collaboration sites have been popping up over the last five years or so, and I can see that. Um, even though we may be mobile, there still needs to be a gathering place where we can interact with each other and and make sure that it's not a robot sitting on the other side of that computer. I've just been looking at stuff having to do with robots being so realistic now, so that's why that popped up. But, um, you know, shaking, well, can't shake hands anymore. But you, we can, we can make sure that the person, um, you can interact with that person so that when you're working virtually, you know who you're working with. So there's still mm-hmm. maybe the need for the brick and mortar, but in different forms. I agree. I agree. I mean, one of the things that my family and I have been doing is we've been having um, uh, meetings. We call it sort of like a Thanksgiving meeting over the uh, using Zoom. And we've been having a ball for the last uh, couple of weeks. And granted, 
it's it, because one is because you can't have anyone walking in and out of your home. Family can't just knock on the door and hang out and watch a movie on a Friday night. But now we're looking at uh, we're we're zooming one another, having great time, uh, making a lot of noise, remind, uh, reminiscent of Thanksgiving, and looking at game night um, um, by way of this uh, technology as well. Um, I think people we're in a new age. It is a technology age. There's no way to get around it. But I do think that. Um, uh, that people may learn in this moment to live a little differently. When we come out, we'll maybe bring some additional angles to how we interact in our families, uh, with our friends, um, and how we interact in business as well. Right. Totally. So, you know, I've been asking a number of questions, but what what are some additional things that you want to talk about? Because I, I, I stopped you when you were on a roll, but now would you pick up where you left off or think about it for a minute and we'll go to a commercial, and when you come back, you can pick up where you left off, okay? <laughs> okay, let's do a commercial. Thank you. We are so excited to have you listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction blog talk radio show. Please call, text, or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash NABWIC or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to follow us by liking our page and post your questions or comments. NABWIC's intent is to always go into the high schools and colleges to encourage our young black girls and women to enter into the construction industry and to take interest into the STEM programs that are offered. We encourage you to listen to this show or past shows on the Internet by logging in at www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C. Thank you, and we're back. Welcome back to Navwick Talks, and this is your host, Ursula Odom, Deidre Simpson, who is the CEO of India's Fixit LLC. Now, before the break, we were about to pick up where you left off, but then I realized I'm not sure I understand how you got to be who you are. What were your motivating <laughs> factors to actually get into this industry and who were who mentored you and how and how did you shape this whole process? Yeah, it's kinda interesting. Kinda interesting. Um I I I spent time in you know, a great deal of time in the military. They got very used to being around male oriented spaces. Uh, male-oriented workspaces. And so um, when I came out of the military, the question was, how do you, how do you walk away from top-secret clearance kind of work? And um, because it was kind of an interesting space for me. It's very, very, you can't go here, you can't go there, you can't move freely. Uh, how do you take this creative mind and, um, and build a, a new life? And so, again, I went into property management. I found this opportunity. I found needs that weren't being met and I realized that I could build a small, like a handyman service to support it. Um, but then, you know, uh, soon after, the economy kind of fell apart. And um, the question was, how how do I survive this? How do I take care of my family? How do I pay my mortgage? How, you know, like everyone else's question. But in the worst of times, um, there's there's always, if you're looking, there's, there's an opportunity. There, there's a parallel existence if you're looking. And so... Um, 
So the government, uh, it became clear that I could become certified in government work. And so that's how I made the transition into like real construction or at least real construction environments. And because it was this world full of men, it wasn't, it wasn't an unusual space for me to move around in. While, I, while some might have shrunk from that, uh, being a woman in construction, um, I didn't shrink from it because it kind of was what I understood and what I knew anyway. So that's how I kind of uh, moved into the arena of uh, construction, um, getting certified and licensed so that I could sit at those tables and, you know, um, and start to find a way. And frankly, in the beginning stages, it really was handyman services. I mean, remember, the economy had fallen, so whatever uh, access to capital I had before, I no longer had. So it was, it was pretty much what do you have in your bank account is, is the level of project you could uh, produce. And so that looked like handyman services. And so, but, but the interesting thing was that there's a huge need for general repairs and handyman services in the, in the uh, government arena. So that's how I was able to kind of transfer over into government. Okay, so you mentioned women in construction, and obviously that reminds us of the show that we're on, <laughs> NAVWIC. How were you introduced to NAVWIC, and what ex what has that experience been for you? Well, there's a special young lady by the name of Nicole Allen. Um, she uh, told me, I went to a couple events that NAVWIC had. Um, one was a, a happy hour. We had such a good time, and it was so great talking to a, a women who were in this arena. And for me, for me, I always found that I was the only person at the table, or the only woman at the table, uh, whether it's a government meeting, uh, a laying out of a new project. Um, I was the only woman at the table, and sometimes that's great, and sometimes that's hazardous. Um, but so I found going to uh, her events really fun and enlightening, watching women do all different kinds of things in the construction arena and doing it well. And so um, from there, of course, I, I knew I was in. It's just a matter of time I knew I was in. Um, I wanted to be a part of that for sure. So that's how I got involved with NADWIC, and, and I've, I've enjoyed it ever since. And, and Nicole and I have had lots of meetings of the minds. Um, she's brilliant. Uh, I learned from her, and I consider it quite a – you know, just advantageous that I to, to have met her. So, there we are with Nodwick. Wow! Can she quote you on that? <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure she can. I'm sure she can. <laughs> yeah, she's a remarkable person. Um, mm -hmm. Now, some other things that that um, you have found as a woman. What are some challenges, and how did you overcome them? I mean, when you were that only woman at the table, what story about some of that? Well, um, I, I think it's actually the catalyst for me um, uh, striking out on my own. Um, here's what I found. In the world of home improvement, um, when I would uh, knock on that door or when I would walk into that house being invited by the owner, um, the So the expectation behind that door uh, would generally be that this would be a man coming in. So when a woman opened the door, uh, she would always she would be, you know, a little surprised, but then she would kind of, the surprise would go from surprise uh, to smiles. And then we would become almost sisters, you know. Before I left that house, we were having coffee and tea at the kitchen table. We were, 
dreaming about what her home, what she wanted for her home. She was telling me that she couldn't afford it. I'm telling her she can. We just need to make a plan. And we're walking through and dreaming together. When a man opened the door, he would kind of look over my head looking for, you know, where's the guys, you know. But uh, before that meeting was over, oftentimes those men would give me their keys, say things like, Deatrice, um, I got to go to work. You walk around, fix this, figure this out, uh, get me some numbers, and I'll meet you back here later this evening. We'll talk about uh, how we'll put this together. Um, and so I heard that over and over again, and I saw that over and over again. And so I realized that I, I knew that there was something really smart about having a woman in construction, about having a woman at that door. I wasn't sure exactly how to put it together because that's not what the company looked like at the time, but I knew it was smart. So when it was time to take this company over, I capitalized and depended on what was happening at that door. I knew it was an attribute. I knew it was a skill set. And I knew that in construction, um, it didn't always happen because it wasn't always women there. But it was effective. It was what made that gentleman sign the contract. It's what made him not uh, fuss or argue too much about the pricing. There's something different about a woman sitting across the table uh, with a man or with another woman um, than there is when men sit across that table sort of in the sales mode. So um, I depended on it. And so I said, to, I said to myself, you know, there are going to be times when I'm not wanted at the table. Well, I need to know about that quickly because then I can get out. You know, I don't care about that. But, but the time, for the times that people embrace a woman at the table, I want to build around that idea. And so we built this construction company on conscientious feminine attributes, right down to, right down to making a phone call when you're 10 minutes late. And these are sometimes the, the things that actually make for difficult relationships on the lowest on the smallest uh, contracting and construction projects. Um, frustrating an owner because you uh, didn't call. You're 20 minutes late or you're an hour late. You expect to show up. But making those phone calls and bringing those, those uh, feminine uh, attributes to the table of this work was extremely important. Sometimes man-on-man -man, uh, sometimes can be a little competitive. We put a woman in place in, in the environment, and that sort of dissipates. So we really capitalized on that. And um, so that which might have been considered a difficulty uh, became our strength. It's funny to hear you say that because, you know, cap capitalizing on the expectations of another person and knowing that that is what you're going to be faced with puts you at an advantage. It it. I recall when um, a friend of mine and I were in business together a long time ago, and she was in sales, in fact, and her name was Ingrid and my name, Ursula. So she would make this appointment for us, <laughs> and we would watch the faces of the individuals when two black girls walked in, and they were expecting <laughs> a Swedish and a German. <laughs> mm -hmm. But by the time they got over the shock, she would made the sale, and I had told them about the details behind the scene and we walked out with the business. So, you know, you, you, you know what you're walking into, and sometimes you, you, you can use it to your advantage, and that's how we did it, you know. Got the appointment because of the Absolutely. name. But when we got in there, we did what we had to do. Absolutely. And I'll tell you that in the world that I live in, in, in environmental controls and contaminants, it's huge. 
It's absolutely huge because once again, the people at the table are male. Um, but when I walk in, whether it's on a board at a hospital or 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 uh, in front of a parent who's just had a baby who's now crawling around and she's suspecting that there's lead in the paint on the walls, um, it's extremely important that I show, that I show up. So um. we we so so when when. Two years ago, when we revised or revamped this company and we brought this whole lead mold and asbestos environmental impact piece to the table, the femininity of it um, was just most important. Whether we were sitting in front of a coal tar, a, a government contractor, officer, or whether we're sitting, like I said, in front of a, a parent who has a child, or whether we're at a school, school board and we're walking through buildings that are crumbling, um, the fact that I could say that I'm, you know, a parent or an aunt, um, and that this wouldn't work for me and it shouldn't work for you. I mean, that was absolutely uh-huh. important. So, um, so yeah, the femi- it just, you know, it's, it's it, how you perceive or how your perception of uh, women in construction or women in industry um, will have to do very much with, you know, where, where you sit, where you sit on this. You know, if you sit under it, then it's a difficulty. If you sit above it, then you can conquer it, and, and I, I really believe that wholeheartedly. So, um, so what I, so my thought, Well, I'm, you know, it, I'm it, sorry, it what you just different. said was just. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but but what you just said was so visually interesting. Either you sit under it, or you sit above it. And when you said sit under it, I had this image of somebody cowing under a chair, and you you have no advantage mm-hmm. at all. But if you take that mm-hmm. that what could have been a disadvantage and you sit in that chair and you make it happen, that is that is that was very visual for me and and it made the point so clearly. Thank you. It's I'm changed, sorry, but go ahead. Absolutely, it's it's changed our lives in this business. It's changed our lives. This environmental piece. We're talking about our children. We're talking about our family members. Which more important to women? than that, you know? So so we took it on wholeheartedly. And as a result, we, we, we're, we're, we're educating people. When we walk in, I'm saying to, you know, it's not a scare tactic because it's never a sell. In, in the world of contaminants and lead mold and asbestos, we're, not, we're never selling anything because we don't have to. Because no parent, male or female, wants their children exposed or their family members exposed to, this, to these kind of things. And, and and you really don't want it once you become once you become educated. So once you realize that that lead mold and asbestos speaks right to the very health of you, it's not just mm-hmm. uh, mental capacity diminished because of lead in your children. It's not just that. It's not just um, the obvious asbestos pointing to cancer. It's not just the obvious mold that may point to heart disease, right? But it is the fact that it also points to your ability to produce children. How about your lung capacity? How about, you know, and it goes on and on, the, the, your ability to, to, um, uh, to be able to breathe and just survive your environment. And if you think about it in terms of the amount of hours in the day and the amount of hours that you spend in contaminants, then it answers the question as to why my 39-year-old beautiful girlfriend passed away from cancer and never smoked, but exercised and ate right. It speaks to why that 19-year-old boy was playing basketball on the court and fell dead from a heart attack. When you think about 
the 24-hour day, and if you're in, and here's the thing about these contaminants, that they don't, they speak to old homes, old spaces. They don't speak to necessarily whether you're in poverty or not, because whether you're in poverty or you're middle class or you're wealthy, if you're in an old space and you're spending 24 hours, well, poverty only in the sense that you're spending more hours. So imagine a, a person who's lower on the rung, so to speak, well, a little less um, wealthy, a little more in the, in the arena of poverty. Then you're in a, whole, a home more than likely that's old, that's got these contaminants right there. You breathe them every day, and you're a baby, and you're growing up in that. And then you leave that house in the morning, and you go to school, and you're in an old, dilapidated school that has lead, mold, and asbestos. I walk through them all the time. That's why we're looking at Pennsylvania. So, so um, now you're coming home, and again, you're doing this for 20 years. And so then you, you, don't, you don't beg the question. You don't question why that 19-year-old boy fell dead on the basketball court. Because environmental impact and contaminants wear your body out. I mean, the truth of the matter is that all of us are impacted by cancer every day. It's just a cell mutation, right? And we all have cell mutations. Mm -hmm. The only difference is that, is that you're healthy and strong, and your body somehow is warding it off. But if you're a little less healthy, if you're a child, a baby, and you're imbibing and, and kind of inhaling all, and ingesting all of that into your system, that small system, or you're a person who has a diminished capacity and immunity, and you're imbibing and you're, and you're bringing all that into your system. Um, yeah. So, so if this is happening all day, then it, it's it no longer, if I'm in George, whether I'm in Georgetown or whether I'm in Southeast D.C., it doesn't really matter, but that parent cares. And so it never, so in the world that I live in, it's not a self, it's education. It is simply a fact. And then the question becomes, what will you do about it once you understand? So because it's being given out by a woman, it just seems even less. I notice I can watch the room turning as I'm talking about environmental impact and environmental and the control you could have over it. I watch the room turning as I stand up and, and, and the first impression may be, who is she? And, what can she know about this stuff? This is pretty, pretty tough stuff. What could what, what, what she possibly know? And then I watch the room turning when I start to talk about people's children. I mean, because that's what we all care about, whether we're in Georgetown, whether we're in Southeast D.C. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I guess what I'm saying in, in, in fact is, is that it's not, you know, being a woman in an industry, if you can find, if you can find the space, then capitalize on it. If you can find the space where being feminine in the space will make a difference, then by all means do it because, well, more than 50% of households are headed by women. You know, it's not that we can't. It's not that we, it's not that we can't make a good impression, but find your space. Find your place. Very possible, very likely. All right. And it will change your life if you do. Okay, um, I'm going to go to a, a short commercial, and I invite mm -hmm. our listening audience to press 1 and join the conversation because I know you have some questions or at least comments. So we're going to a quick commercial, and then we'll come back. 
We are so excited to have you listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction Blog Talk Radio Show. Please call, text, or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash NABWIC or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to follow us by liking our page and post your questions or comments. NABWIC's intent is to always go into the high schools and colleges to encourage our young black girls and women to enter into the construction industry and to take interest into the STEM programs that are offered. We encourage you to listen to this show or past shows on the Internet by logging in at www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C. Thank you, and we're back. Welcome back to Navwick Talks. This is your host, Ursula Odom, speaking with Deidre Simpson, who is the CEO of NDS Fix-It LLC, and what a conversation we're having. In fact, we have someone else that would like to join in on the conversation, Ms. Jackie Perry. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning. Uh, wow, what a wonderful <laughs> Wednesday it is. And uh, thank you, Ursula. I certainly have been enjoying listening to uh, Deatrice's De- story, and uh, it- it's so profound. So I did have one question I wanted to ask. Um, so we've been talking about a number of things, and uh, Deatrice, you've already given us some really good insight and advice around, um, you know, again, ways, different ways we can operate uh, in light of our current situation, the COVID-19. I would be curious to know um, or just hear of any specific examples you can give on the different ways that you've been able to uh, conduct business with your customers today in light of uh, the situation that we have, the COVID-19. Is there anything specifically that you're doing differently? Well, we're suiting up. I mean, but it's not hard for us to do it because we're in the industry where we suit up anyway. Um, so I, I do suggest that you suit up and that you look at the uh, CDC um, uh, suggestions as to how you do just that. But by all means, um, uh Take care of yourselves and take care of your family, and and don't and don't, you know, don't don't put yourself in in danger. So, um, gloves, of course. I mean, the obvious mask, of course, and anything else that you can do. Um, but staying away from people is is primary. It's not just about saving you, but you saving them. And so, when you look at it like that, it's not just about someone infecting you, but that you may be strong and healthy, and but you're carrying. And so now someone standing next to you who's not is infected. So uh, being careful and caring about one another to that extent. And so we've, we've really been playing around with technology. You know, we've been, you know, we've been using Zoom. Um, we've been uh, in a family arena as well as in business. Um, we have been, and the meetings are going well. You know, you don't, you, you're literally looking at the person across from you. Uh, you're able to uh, enjoy that as well. You're just not sitting across from the person. Um, yeah. We're even, we're even having a game night that's going to happen soon in our family. 
So yeah, lot, on the business side, though, have you found that, um, well, for a lot of businesses, including uh, myself in some arenas, um, you know, business has come to an, a halt, obviously, because of the requirement of the social distancing. Uh, I was just mm-hmm. wondering if there were any ways that you are able to conduct business still without having to be on a job site or um things that, again, we may have been accustomed to doing previously. Sure. Well, contracting, I mean, so one of the things that I did was I kind of spaced out some contracts. So let, so everyone knows that, the, well, my, my clients know that the work that we were going to do right now, we can't do it right now, but it still needs to be done. So rather than uh, cancellations, we're just simply postponing and pushing back dates. So contracts are still being signed. Um, deposits are still being made, but projects are being pushed back a bit. They're not; they're inevitable in, in that they have to be done. So, um, so rather than looking at uh, this month as the month that we do the project, we're looking at May. We're looking at June. We're just kind of pushing back a little bit, waiting for this to kind of resolve itself, and um, and then we can bring those contracts on board. And one of the things that, and I'll tell you that I've actually been able to say to a client that the deposit. Uh, to bring deposit forward so that we actually schedule in the date on our calendar. So some dollars have been able to come through, come in as a result of that. But it is, it is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a funny, it's a difficult time. Now, D.C. has a grant. I think you could just call the mayor's office and get access to that as a small business owner. Uh, I actually did fill that paperwork out, so I know it's, I know it's real. Um, and there again, there are some dollars coming through through the stimulus package. But, um, yeah, I think, I think staying in contact with your clients Talking about the project as if it's going, it's going to go on. Uh, we're just straightening out some things. We're just working through some processes, um, and so keeping that pr- contract as alive as you possibly can is key. And I think you can do it. Great, thank you, Deatrice. Appreciate that. Mhm. Mhm. I think one of the things about this is it's a business tech. It's a business technique to kind of square your calendar away. So say, for example, you've got a dead time in business is at Christmas time, right? Um, and uh, you know Christmas is a dead time. It's, a lower, it's just a lower time in your business. So while you're going through the year, there's always a project that you could put in the, in the November-December arena. There's always projects that you can. Those are the ones that are not emergencies. Those are the ones that are not um, at the top of the uh, uh, rung, so to speak. So you can talk to your clients about scheduling in um, in December. We do it all the time. We know it's a slow time. And so with that idea in mind, you could kind of use that to look at how you're doing business right now and pushing clients back a bit. But staying. But the key thing is to stay in contact with them. You don't want a month or two to go by where you haven't spoken with them. You're constantly talking to them. We're talking about the project. We're asking questions. We're resolving issues on the forefront, on the mobilization, so that when May comes in, so that when June comes in, we're off and off to the races. I think it's just a matter of um, uh, refixing how you look at your work right now. It won't be effective with every client, but it will be effective with some. Yeah. No, that's that's good. And I have one more question, if you don't mind, and I know um, we're going a little bit past our time, but um, I know this is also a time, we've heard it before with some of our previous guests, when it seems like everybody recommends definitely using this time as a time for personal development and growth. 
So uh, we're just curious as to whether or not you have a favorite author or book, perhaps, that you're engaged in right now. And if so, if you could uh, share that with us. What are you What are you reading or who's your favorite author? I can't say I have a favorite author particularly, but I am immense, immersed in a book called, in a study guide and book material called The War Room. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. There was a movie a few years ago, and then there was a book or a study guide. And so this whole idea is about how in times of war, soldiers maximize and strategize to be effective to win the war. And so in this book, it's talking more about how to maximize and strategize your mind so that you win so that you win the war. And so it has this underlining factor that that men that we are physical beings or more spiritual beings in a physical body. And so the war is in the mind. The spirit is in the mind. And how do you manage the spirit, how do you feed the spirit, and how do you feed the mind is most effective, is most important in the war. So this book really taps into direct ways to strengthen the mind, to strengthen the spirit, and this has got to be the best time in the world for it. So while we're going through this difficult time, my mom always talked to me about parallel work. And this concept of parallel work was that when you're in the worst of times, that you have a parallel portion of work that you do for yourself something that really speaks to who you are, that you just love, something that you could build on and so that you could grow. So while you're doing horrible work or work that's difficult because you don't like it, you're also always, always doing something for yourself. So when, when the difficult time re- recedes, the parallel strong work, the parallel uh, work that you did for yourself is out the gate. So what I perceive is that by the time we're finished with this we're walking through this COVID moment and it's ending, the parallel work that I've done will really take off. And so for me, it's about the mind. It's a difficult time. It's hard to stay encouraged. So this book has helped me stay focused, helped me maximize and strategize, stay focused and getting things done. So as a result now, listen, as a result, I'm encouraged, I'm moving forward, and I'm thinking outside the box. So, like I said, we're already looking at Pennsylvania for licensing. We're looking at, um, we, we already sent out the paperwork for Maryland, um, the D.C. supply schedule. There's some additional things that we've done because I'm getting ready for when we're outside of this, uh, this moment, and I'm shooting out the box past the difficult time. With that? I think those are the marching orders for all of us. Um, shoot past the time where we can be out the box and making things happen um, by utilizing this time most efficiently. So wonderful conversation. So thank you, Jackie, for the question. And Ms. Simpson, is there anything else you would like to share as a closing um, remark? And specifically, what can – well, we have another question – um, I'm going. I'm going. Excuse me. I'm going to go to that question, but I also want you to share with people how you can, how they can engage with you to get you to work with them. So to get new um, work. There is someone who's 35, 31. I'm opening your mic for a question. 
Hi, Good morning. It's not so much a question. Good morning. It's not so much a question. It's a comment. My name is Angela Chapel. I'm actually Beatrice's niece, and I just wanted oh. to call in and tell her how proud of how proud of her we are. Her whole family is listening, and she's such an inspiration and a visionary for this family. I'm sitting here listening with my two young daughters, and we're just so proud to to call her aunt and to be able to call her for advice and listen and watch her process. It's just amazing. So I just wanted to give you your flowers publicly as we do privately, but just <laughs> let you know how proud we are of you and, you know, keep doing what you're doing and we're watching definitely. Wow. That just gives me chills. <laughs> I love this because, you know, I, I write about just those leg- legendary moments. Um, this is wonderful. Thank you. On her behalf, thank you. <laughs> for someone to share that, where they can hear it. It's amazing. And and there is someone else that wants to chime in on the conversation. Eight nine one five. Your mic Hi. is open. Hi. Hello. This is Chanel. Ah, do you have a question? You? I'm good. How are you? On the interview. The interview was beautiful. I loved it. (laughs) Thank you. I found out so much about black women in this field that I didn't even know about. And how does another black woman get into this field doing this mold research and, and getting certifications? Is there a way, like an intro, to see if the person will even like it? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, Janelle. That's a great question. I mean, because here's the thing about this, the world of um, remediation. It's a professional arena where you can make real dollars, um, and, and, and it's an arena that a young woman, 18 years old, could exit high school, and if she's not going to college, could look at seriously, as well as any other woman. It's in the world of construction, but it's not heavy-duty construction. You know, you're not, if you're not a fan of hammering and sawzalls and things like that, you don't have to worry about that in this, in this world of um, environmental contaminants. So, yes, um, it's relatively simple. You can give us a call. We'll walk you through um, how to get licensed. It's three or four days of, study, of, of, of sitting in a classroom environment, um, and sometimes even less. Sometimes it's an OJT program that we have in the company. Um, but... The beauty of it, I am amazed at the amount of women who are looking at this seriously, who we're talking to and who are moving toward it, because, again, it's good work, it's work that saves humanity, and it's the kind of work that you could move into and find yourself professionally paid with, without having to go to college or a trade school, and not to say there's anything wrong with that for sure, but it's an easy intro. It's an easy intro. And I'll tell you this, something to really – Consider the arena of environmental hazards has a it's hugely impacted by or um, the supply service line is very Latino. Now, hats off to them. Hats off to them because you can come come across the waters. You can move into your family's home. You can within a few days sit in some training that is uh, Spanish-speaking, and then you could literally, literally be making $20 an hour. Now, you've just gotten here. So where you could take that, only God knows. 
And so what I'm doing is really talking to young people, um, people who are interested in changing their careers. It's an awesome opportunity. It's an awesome, awesome opportunity for income, for uh, professionalism, and, 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 and most importantly, for looking for a new profession. Because $20 is where it pretty much starts. Imagine that, an entry-level job at $20 an hour. Thank you for that question. And I hope about Jackie Perry's line. Um, Jackie, I know NABWIC is very big in, in answering that particular question, too. Would you speak to that? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, and I thought she was asking did a really about, good job responding to it. What particular aspect did you want me to respond to? From from NABWIC's point of view. I mean, the services can, Oh, okay. Yeah, um, so... Uh, Pretty much, I mean, there are many things that we can help you with in terms of um, um, getting introduced to that field, um, mm -hmm. certifications, other types of training, OSHA training, et cetera. And uh, so I would like to maybe start with this. Um, and I don't want to say this is a selfish uh, commercial, but it is. Uh, I would like to say if you're not currently a member of NAWIC, uh we invite you to join. Uh, this is, is really what we, we do. We help uh, mentor women, um, and I know that Deatris is going to give you her information in terms of how you can get in touch with her uh, directly, but that's what we do. We can certainly talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. We'll help uh, mentor you. But to become a part of the NABWIC organization where you can have access to a, a myriad of resources, all you have to do is really just go to NABWIC's website, and that's nabwic.org, nabwic.org, and, uh, and, and you can join for uh, just a nominal uh, fee. Uh, then there's an orientation and an introduction to the organization. Deatrice mentioned the young lady by the name of Nicole Allen. Uh, she is our membership chair. She does an awesome job of onboarding uh, our new members and introducing them to all of the various resources that are, frankly, too numerous for me to talk about in the time frame that we, we have. But I would like to offer uh, you the opportunity to go to our website. And even if you don't join today, just check it out and just check out some of the uh, resources. But you can uh, get in touch with our membership or uh, our marketing uh, area. That information is there on our website as well, and we'll be willing to uh, certainly uh, talk to you on not just that area but any other area that uh, any of our listeners might be interested in. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And also, this particular show is a benefit of NAVWIC. If you're a member, you can actually talk about your business. So once you've gone through that process and you're in the industry, or if you're doing something now that is supportive of the industry, you can be on NAVWIC Talks and share your knowledge, your expertise with us. Um, and then we all win, just as we've enjoyed this conversation this morning. So Ms. Simpson. Simpson, would you please tell us how to get in touch with you and what you would like people to know about your services? Well, we're um, uh, located here in the nation's capital. Um, our company is called NDS Fixit. Um, our phone number is 
1-800-273-8871. That's our office number. My cell number, 202-438-8734. Our email address, nds2fixit at gmail.com, nds 26th at gmail.com. Let us know that you, um, when you give us a call or when you email us, let us know that you heard about us by way of this uh, media, Nadwick, and uh, we'll certainly uh, lend over a hand regarding um, uh, discounts. So um, uh, we look forward to hearing from you guys. Don't live in it. Don't live in it if you don't have to. You dream it, we'll build it. You break it and NDS fix it, we'll fix it. Thank you well, so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. On that note, we are going to allow you to go away and think about what you've heard today because it's been wonderful and a lot of great information that I'm sure you can use or at least share that information with someone else. Come back. This show is on demand. Listen to it again and again, as well as some of the other shows that we have out there that you can hear from previous shows. But until next week, thank you, Ms. Simpson. Thank you. This concludes our show. Thank you for listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction. For more information about NABWIC and our membership, please visit us on the web at www.nabwic.org. We are the voice of black women in construction. Have a great and prosperous day. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. You are listening to NABWIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.